The Word of God says, Is any sick among you? Let them call on the elders of the church and let them pray for them, and the prayer of faith will make them whole. If you are sick in any part of your body and need healing, why not join us for the next special healing school, Saturday the 7th of December at 6.30 p.m. at Solution Chapel International, home of signs, wonders, and miracles. Barnfield Road, Northgate Crawley, West Sussex, RH10-8DS. Please call 07938-494-294 or visit solutionchapel.org for further details. The Special Healing School, Saturday the 7th of December, is free and open to everyone. Come and receive your healing. The Solution Word with Pastor Adama Segbeji. Pastor Adama has a passion to uplift people and see the body of Christ excel. His aim, to bring hope to the hopeless and solution to the nations. In this message, you will learn. That's why popularity without wisdom will lead to destruction. You see, many people want to be popular, but they can't handle, they cannot handle the heat of popularity. Many are having nervous breakdown because of popularity. They can't go out. They can't, they can't go out. They can't go to Tesco like you go. They can't go to Asda like you go. <laughs> I'm telling you, everywhere they are, there is camera in their face. What an atmosphere. An atmosphere of his goodness. We thank God for what he is doing. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. How many of you are excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? That God is good. It's good to see you all this morning. And we thank God for your lives. In the name of Jesus. I said in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, uh, we thank God for what he is about to do. Yes. I sense strongly the power of God in this place. So I want you to be really, really expectant in Jesus' name. Amen. Are you ready for the word? Yes. Well, turn with me please in your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 from verse 13 to 16, our foundational scripture. Matthew chapter 5 from verse 13 to 16. I read, Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be thrown under the foot of men. Verse 14, Jesus said, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick and give it light to all that are in the house. Last verse, verse 16, Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And we are blessed by the reading of God's word. Amen. I'm continuing with my series that I have titled Influence, and this is part four. 
influence. And this is part four. God's original intention for us is to live for a purpose and on purpose. Once you don't know the purpose for which you have been made, then abuse becomes inevitable. That's why uh, Dr. Miles Monroe says, where purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. So it's important for us to understand what we have been called for, what we have been made for, and for us to be in the center of God's will. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, from verse 13, Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. Notice Jesus didn't say you are going to be. He said you are the salt of the earth. Now that means as salt, we don't have to be scared of the earth. This is very important. If we are going to preserve the earth, then we have to mix with the earth. We have to mix ourselves with the earth. That's the only time the earth will be preserved. But if we are scared of the earth and we are running away from the earth, then we will become irrelevant. That's why Jesus said, if the salt loses its savor, the purpose of the salt is to preserve. And number two, the purpose of the salt is to bring flavor. So Jesus say, is saying that if the salt loses its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? Yeah. It is henceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. So what Jesus basically is saying is that when we stop becoming relevant, we'll be trodden under the foot of men. Many Christians, unfortunately, have become a pillar of salt, not the salt of the earth. Genesis chapter 19, verse 26, the Bible says that, and the wife of Lot became, she looked back. Because she looked back, she became a pillar of salt. As Christians, we have not been called to look back. Every time you start looking back, you become a pillar of salt. And pillar of salt is good for nothing. You become irrelevant. Jesus wants us to be relevant. And therefore, we cannot be scared of the world. Verse 14 of Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Not you are going to be, you are. You are already the light of the world. He said, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. A city that is set on a hill cannot be what? Hidden. Micah chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. The Bible says that in the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established above, the, above all the hills. It shall be established on top of the mountains and it shall be exalted above the hills and the people shall flow into it. Verse 2, very important. It says, and many nations shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. The mountain of the Lord there represents the house of God. There is, no, there is no solution in the world. Yeah. The only way we can find solution is in the house of Amen. God. 
That's why our responsibility must be going after people and telling them, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of the God of Jacob and he will teach us his way. So when we come, we are taught the ways of God. We are not taught our ways, but we are taught what? The ways of God. We are taught the ways of God. And when we are taught the ways of God, then what happens next is that we walk in his paths. For the law shall go forth out of Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Say amen to that. Say amen. So that means every time we come into the house of the Lord, we start making laws. The church is a place of making laws. Not the houses of parliament. It says, for out of Zion shall proceed the law. So if there is any contrary law against you, when you come into the house of the Lord, you open your mouth and start making new laws. If there is a law of, of, of curse upon you, when you come into the house of the Lord, you start making new laws. You start making new decrees. I am the head and not the tail. I am blessed and not cursed. Hallelujah. Verse 15, Jesus said of Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And what's the purpose? It says, and it gives light unto all that are in the house. That is influence. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1 and 2. The Bible says, arise and shine. Arise and shine for thy light is come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. Arise and shine. I said arise and shine. Solution, I said arise and shine. Solution, I said arise and shine. Child of God, I said arise and do what? I said arise and do what? So it says, Behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and cross darkness the people, but the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. From today, the glory of the Lord will be seen upon you. Oh, shout a living amen. I said, From today, the glory of the Lord will be seen upon you in the name of Jesus. Verse 16 of Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. That they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Show men around you your good works. Your good works. Your good works. Your good works. I said your good works. I said your good works. Show them your good works. Let them see the good works of God in your life. First Peter chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. The Bible says that, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. Listen, we are pilgrims here on earth. Abstain from what fleshly lusts. Verse 12, it says, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may be your, that they may by your good works, which 
they shall behold glorify God in the day of visitation. Amen. Say amen. amen. So what the Bible is saying is that even though in the last days there will be evil all around you, the Gentiles, the people in the world, must see your good works. Mm -hmm. That even if they are speaking evil things against you, there is one thing they cannot say bad things about. That's your good works. Amen. Say a good amen. amen. Say a good amen. amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So it's important for us to demonstrate to the world the good works of the Lord. Amen. Write this down. To be influential... You have to understand how the systems of this world operate. To be influential, you have to understand how the systems of this world operate. Now, the Bible says that the sons of Issachar had understanding of the times, right? And because they had understanding of the times, they knew what Israel ought to do. Because they had what? Understanding of the times, they knew what Israel ought to do. So that means the moment you have understanding into something, you will know what others should do. Praise God. Amen. I said praise God. Amen. So I want to show you some very key foundational scriptures that will help us to become influential. Genesis chapter 27 verse 22. Genesis chapter 27 verse 22. Now you know the story. At this point, Isaac is about to die. Isaac wants to pass on the blessing unto Esau, his firstborn. According to scripture, that's how it's supposed to be. But now guess what? Esau had already sold his birthright to Jacob. And so the time has now come for the birthright to be transferred. And now even though Esau had already sold the birthright, Jacob needs to position himself to receive the blessing. This is very critical. This is very critical. Now, if we are going to be influential, there is some things we need to learn from the world. I want you to hear me with a matured spirit this morning. I said there are some things we can learn from the world. Because we are meant to be the light, and because we are not being the light, the world has taken over and they have become the light. Very important. So for Jacob to position himself and to take the blessing and to become influential, notice what he did. This is very important. The Bible says that his brother Esau is a hairy man. So when he was going to his father, at this point his father Isaac was blind. He couldn't see. And the only way he could identify his sons is by two things. By hearing and by touching. Very, very key. So when Jacob noticed that if I am going to take the blessing that has been transferred long ago in accordance to agreement, sign and seal, 
If I'm going to take hold of this blessing, then I have to take what Esau has, which I don't have. It's called humility. When somebody knows what you don't know, just humble yourself and go and learn. So look at what Jacob did. The Bible says that, and Jacob went near unto his father. And his father Isaac felt him and said, the voice is the voice, is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. Esau represents the world. Jacob represents the church or Christians or the spirit of God. So now, For Jacob to have dominion, he has to take the concepts, the ideas, the principles that are working in the world and add it to himself so he can position himself and become all that God has called him to become. And you know the end of the story? Even though Isaac said, it's the voice of Jacob, in the hands of Esau, the blessing was transferred to him. I prophesy over someone in this house that you are about to enter into a season of unlimited blessings. I said a season of unlimited blessings in the mighty name of Jesus. Luke chapter 16 verse 8. The Bible says that, and the Lord commanded the unjust steward, not the just steward. This is Jesus speaking, by the way. And the Lord commanded the unjust. He is not a just. The unjust steward, because he had done how wisely. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. Isn't it sad? Why should the world be wiser than the church? If we are going to be influential, we have to go to the ant and learn some things from the ant. The Bible says, Proverbs chapter 6, it says, go to the ant, you sluggard, and consider his ways. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So let's look at four factors we need to engage to make us influential in this world. Four factors. Number one is power. Number one is what? Power. These are factors that the world is using that is causing them to be influential. You can't be influential if you don't have power. <laughs> you can be in a corner somewhere and shout and scream and do everything and roll on the floor and do gymnastics. If you don't have power, you can't be influential. Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5 and verse 8. Listen to Jesus. The Bible says that, And being assembled together with them, He, Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Talking about the Holy Spirit, which he said, you have heard from me. Verse 5, for John truly baptized you with water, 
but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse 8, key voice, key verse. It says, but you shall receive what? But you shall receive what? But you shall receive what? You shall receive what? Why would we receive power? Because for us to be influential, there are some powers in the world that we need to have more power over. So Jesus said, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria, and to the outermost parts of the world. Amen. Somebody say fresh power. Fresh power. Or oh, say it properly. Say fresh power. fresh power. If we are going to be influential, we need fresh power every day. Amen. Sadly, many Christians take these things for granted. People you are working with in your office, they have things around their wrist. They have things hidden, hidden powers on their waist. And you just wake up, you don't pray. You wake up in the morning, you just, ah, Father, thank you for today. Amen. And you go to work. But that, that colleague of yours has woken up 5 a.m., 4 a.m. and be chanting, mm, mm, and you are there. You are doing nothing. You are doing nothing. And yet they are going ahead of you. Why? Because they have a source that they are, they are going to on a daily basis. But many Christians don't understand how the system of the world operates. The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hand is the hand of Esau. Second Chronicles chapter 17, verse 12 and 13. I read, the Bible says that so Jehoshaphat became increasingly powerful. And he built fortresses. Look at what happens when you are powerful. He built what? Fortresses and storage cities in Judah. He had much property in the cities of Judah and the men of war, mighty men of valor, were in Jerusalem. See, people who have power, see what they build? Mighty cities. <laughs> if you are not building anything, that means you have no power. <laughs> it takes power to build something significant. It takes power. The walls of Jerusalem were built by power. When Nehemiah was building the wall, the Bible says that he had sword in one hand. Because whilst you are building, somebody wants to destroy. You need a sword to cut off some things, some laziness, some lazy habits. You need some sword to cut those things. The sword of the word. The sword of the spirit. You sleep and you snore and wake up and say, I have a feeling everything's going to be all right. Uh, uh, uh. I have a feeling 
Everything's gonna be alright. Be alright. Be alright. Be alright. After you've sung it, go to work. Everything being alright has nothing to do with feelings. It has nothing to do with feelings. You've got to wake up, go to work. Hallelujah. Put your mouth where your vision is. Put your money where your vision is. You say, I'm going to be great. Put your money there. Hallelujah. I'm preaching better than your amen this morning. It's good to have power. But power out of control will lead to disaster. Daniel chapter 4 from verse 29. Read The Bible says, And at the end of 12 months, he was walking about the royal palace of Babylon. This is Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spake, spoke, saying, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power? And for the honor of my majesty, can you see how he's boasting? It's good to have power, but if you don't control that power that God has given you, it will lead to disaster. Do you know why many of you, God, don't answer your prayers? You pray and pray, God, give me power, give me power. He he won't give you, because if he gives you that power, you will kill everyone around you. (laughs) Your wife sneezes when she's not supposed to sneeze. They say, die by fire. (laughs) Have you noticed that when you pray and shout and say, Father, kill this person, you drive around, they are not dead. They are still around, flourishing, doing better. No. Nebuchadnezzar, after God has helped him, he was walking around his palace, boasting. He said, look, that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power. Many of us say, it's my mighty degree that has got me this job. It's my mighty contract. It's my my mighty power. I'm, I'm smart. I'm shrewd. I know how to work the systems. But you've forgotten that you made a vow to God that God, if you bless me, I will honor you. You forgot. I was reading a testimony by a man of God. Um, uh, some of you might know him. Uh, Pastor Poju from Covenant Christian Center in, in Lagos. He has one of the largest churches there. And he said, uh, the gentleman wrote a testimony about how when he was close to God, God was blessing him, doing so well. And then all of a sudden, he backslided. He was doing so well, and then he backslided, and then later on, he lost everything. Lost everything, and then he came back to himself, went back to church, and after that, God reconnected him and blessed him again. And he was testifying that he made a mistake by leaving God in the first place. Many Christians, unfortunately, that's what happens. After God has blessed them, they forget God. Like the prodigal son. 
the prodigal son said to the father, give me what is my portion. And he took his portion, went to a far country. The Bible says that, and he went about living a righteous living. He forgot where he got the wealth from. Many people come to this church, they are prayed for, they receive their blessing, and they forget. They forget who prayed for them. They forget where God helped them. And then they start working like the Buchanan. I have built a royal dwelling by my mighty power. And you see how they are working like that. Mighty power. <laughs> Verse 31, the Bible says that while the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you. And they shall drive you from men. And your dwelling shall be with the beast of the field. They shall make you eat grass with like oxen. And seven times shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomsoever he chooses. Amen. That very hour, the word was fulfilled concerning the book He was driven from men and ate grass like oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. Verse 34, And at the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my understanding returned to me, and I blessed the Most High, and praised and honored him who lives forever, for, for he, his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and the kingdom is from generation, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. Amen. Say amen to that. Amen. You see, this is why um, I always say that there is pride and arrogance in everyone. If you don't believe it, check when God lifts you up. That's why the more God lifts you up, the more you have to be conscious of humbling yourself. And there is no future for any arrogant person in the kingdom of God. The Bible says that pride proceeds a fall. Don't be proud. Don't be arrogant. Look at what God did to Nebuchadnezzar. He was a powerful king. He was the most powerful king in those days. More powerful than anyone. But God did what humbled him. He ended up in the bush. eating, (laughs) Eating grass. May it not be your portion. To be influential, you have to understand what it means to be powerful and still walk under authority. To be influential, you have to understand what it means to be powerful and still walk under what? Authority. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5 to 9. I read, the Bible says, Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. 
The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. Verse 9 is key. Verse 9 says, For I am a man under what? Authority. Having soldiers under me. Now, so that should tell you he's a very powerful man. He said, I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me. I say to this one, go, and he goes. I say to this one, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. So this was a man who had so much power, but he was under authority. No matter how powerful you are, it is important that you are under what? Authority. Number two. Number two factor we need to be influential is popularity. Popularity. These are things that the world operates by. Number two is popularity. First Samuel chapter 18 from verse 5 to 9. I read. The Bible says that so David went out wherever Saul sent him. And he behaved himself wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war. Can you increase my volume? Put those volume up, please. I'm really struggling with the sound. Verse, verse 16. The Bible says that now it happened that as they were coming home, when David was returning from the slaughter, notice carefully, when David was returning from the slaughter and of the, of the Philistine, that the women had come out of all the cities of Israel. Notice what they were doing. Singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy. And with musical instruments. Verse 7. So the women sang as they danced and said, Saul has slain his thousands, David his ten thousands. Then Saul was very angry and the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands and to me, they have ascribed only thousands now that, now what more can he have but the kingdom? Verse 9, so Saul eyed David from that day forward. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So notice what's happening here. David has become very popular. And the women started singing. Saul has killed his thousands. David has killed his what? Ten thousands. And notice what was happening. They were singing it into the ears of... So, notice what was happening here. David had become very popular. And Saul had become unpopular. But I want you to understand very, something very important. Remember when Saul was appointed king, he was the tallest. 
among all men. So Saul had his time of popularity. But now it's David's time of popularity. But Saul is not happy. Don't let popularity fool you. Listen. You can't be popular and not work in wisdom. The moment you become popular, you need wisdom to be able to maneuver around. Because popularity without wisdom will lead to death, your early death. You know, many, many times people go around, you know, especially we are living in a social media generation where everybody wants to be famous. Everybody wants to be popular. The more likes we get, the more excited we are. When we put a post out there, we go and check how many likes have I got? How many comments did I get? Don't be fooled by those. The moment you become popular, somebody will be eyeing you from that day forward. That's why popularity without wisdom will lead to destruction. You see, many people want to be popular, but they can't handle, they cannot handle the heat of popularity. Many are having nervous breakdown because of popularity. They can't go out. They can't, they can't go out. They can't go to Tesco like you go. They can't go to Asda like you go. <laughs> I'm telling you, everywhere they are, there is camera in their face. Whatever they wear, they are taking a picture. They take a picture of the size of their stomach. They check whether they use specialized cameras to check whether there's stretch mark on their belly or not. You want to be popular? Are you ready to pay the price? You don't know the pressure people who are popular are under. They cannot sleep. Can I tell you the honest truth? Many, 99.9% .9 of celebrities you say are popular, they cannot sleep. You are able to sleep without, uh, without Valium. You better thank God. There are many out there, they can't sleep. They can't snore. You, you sleep, you snore in gears. Your snoring is in different gear. Gear 5. Sometimes you go to gear 20. When gear 20 has not been invented. They go. <laughs> in different gears. I'm telling you. And once they are snoring, somebody has put a recorder by their house and recorded. They say, so was snoring like this. You have no idea. And, and that's why as a pastor, one of the things that doesn't get into my heart is members telling me, oh, pastor, you are the best pastor in the world. The same people who 
sang Hosanna for Jesus were the same people who said crucify him. David was popular but there was a time he was in a hole all by himself. He was in cage. He was in holes. He was in caves. He was sleeping in trees. Where were these women who were singing David has killed his thousand. Saul has killed his thousand. David has killed his ten thousands. There were none there. There were none there. And, and especially, especially if you're a young, young couple, you get married, your parents are putting pressure on you. When are you going to give us babies? When are you going to give us babies? When are you going to give us babies? You better sit down, calculate that you have enough money to take care of the babies before you give birth to them. Because the day you get married, on the day you get married, then the next thing, when are you going to give us babies? You haven't even gone to your honeymoon yet. They say, when are you going to give us babies? And then when the babies come and they are crying at night, those who said, when are you going to give us baby, are nowhere to be there. They say, oh, we'll help you. When the babies come, we'll be there. But when the babies come, after they come to your baby dedication, they say, oh, long. See you later. Bye. Are you following what I'm saying? So yes, popularity is good, but popularity without submission will lead to pride and arrogance. Popularity without submission will lead to pride and arrogance. Listen, you have to learn to be popular and still submit to someone who is not known by anyone. You have to learn. How many of you know T.D. Jake's pastor? You don't know him. But do you know he has a pastor? Yeah. Yeah. His pastor is not known by anyone. But he's very popular. Sometimes you have to, I'm telling you, this is one devil, if you're not matured enough, you can't handle. To be popular and still submit to someone who is not popular. Look at it. Matthew chapter 11 from verse 12. Now you know the story. Jesus is going to talk about John the Baptist. John the Baptist baptized Jesus. You know that. John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus. You know that. Now at this point, John the Baptist has to finish his ministry and then Jesus has to come. But I want you to notice something very interesting that's going to happen here. Matthew chapter 11 from verse 12. I read the Bible says that, and when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, are you the coming one or do we look for another? Look who is asking this question. This is John the Baptist. Who introduced Jesus to the world? John the Baptist. John the Baptist knows Jesus better than anybody else. So now Jesus is popular. Jesus is doing exploits. John the Baptist's time of popularity is over. Because when John the Baptist was popular, people were going to the desert 
to hear him. His ministry was packed. His business was flourishing. There were no wrinkles in his face. He, he was the latest beauty in town. Latest bride in town. Everything was happening for him. But the time came, he is now in prison. Now Jesus is popular. Jesus is doing exploits. And John the Baptist, who introduced Jesus to us, sent his disciples to go to Jesus and ask, are you the one? Are you the one? Are you the one? How can John the Baptist ask this question? Are you the one or there's another coming? The reason why there's so much envy and jealousy is because many are not matured enough to handle another person's blessing. If you can't handle somebody else's blessing, you are telling God, please don't bless me to that level. Verse 4. But look at Jesus' response to John the Baptist. The Bible says that Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Jesus is staying on his purpose. Sometimes people will come to digress you, but you have to learn to be focused. Verse 6, the Bible says that, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Oh, I love this. Listen, the moment you become popularity, popular, people will be offended at you for no reason. When we came to start the church, it was just my wife and I and our little child, three. There were major churches here who were offended that we've come to start a church. We were only three. Or two and a half. <laughs> they were offended. For what? What did we, we didn't do anything. We didn't go to nobody's church to go and invite anyone. We just started what God told us to do. And they were offended. If no one is offended at what you are doing, then you are not in your purpose yet. The moment they started getting upset and angry with us, I said, wow, we are only two and a half. And look at how they are behaving. What would they do when they see millions and billions trooping in? Sometimes I've seen those pastors come and park at the church car park, counting people who are coming in and out. Is it to human being so sad? So Jesus said, blessed is he who is not offended in me. Verse 7. And they departed. And as they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes, concerning John, this is critical. Concerning John, what did you go out to the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by wind? But 
what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments. No, indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What Jesus in effect is telling you is that doing the work of the ministry is not about soft clothings. It's not about what you wear. But what did you go out to see? A prophet. Yes, I say to you more than a prophet. Now, I want you to notice this. There are prophets and there are more than a prophet. So, operating in the prophetic is not enough. John the Baptist is more than a prophet. That's what Jesus is saying. Now, I want you to understand where Jesus is coming from. He is talking about somebody who is just questioning his identity. Somebody who is just questioning his ministry. Somebody who has just questioned that, is this Jesus the Christ? But remember, they are cousins. They are related. John the Baptist and Jesus, they are related. So, if there is anyone who should know Jesus better, it should be John the Baptist. Have you noticed that most of the time those who say bad things about you are those who know you better? Those who are close to you. <laughs> the devil will not use an enemy to give you a kiss. He will use those who are around you. To eat, those who you eat with. In a, this is how David puts it. That would one whom we eat together from the same bowl. One who is my bosom friend. Takes my secret and spills it out there. Have you heard? Have you not heard? Do you not know? Are you a stranger in town? Have you not heard the latest gist? You haven't heard the latest news? When did you come? Ah. The Bible says, Jesus said, For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I'll send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Verse 11 is key. Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not been risen one greater than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. What will be your testimony about those who criticize you? Like Joseph. Your brothers who sold you into slavery. When you are in the place of power. In a place where you are popular. When you see them, what will you do? Will you crush them with your power and your popularity? That's what many Christians do. They say, you don't know who I am. I'll show you where power lies. Who are you? You are just a mere man. You have no power. The power you have is being given to you by God. As an election of grace, don't abuse it. Jesus said, among all men that are born, there is none greater than John the Baptist. Even though he's criticizing me, I will still say good things about him. That should be our testimony. 
that when people come around you looking for evil reports from you concerning another sister or brother, let them hear nothing but good from your mouth. We have not been called to expose one another's weakness. We have been called to cover their weaknesses. As a pastor, one thing I have learned to do is to operate in grace. No matter your weakness, when you walk through that door, it will not be held against you. Amen? Amen? Amen. And that must be our, our attitude towards everyone. You might hear somebody saying evil things about you, but when it's your time to say something about them, always speak good about them. Amen. Say a good amen to that. Number three factor, let's run through this quickly, that we need to engage to be influential is the third factor is popular prosperity. Somebody say prosperity. prosperity. Can I say this? If you are poor, you cannot be influential. The Bible says that there was a wise poor man in a city who rescued the city but no one knew him. <laughs> Say amen. There was a, a wise poor man. So that means he rescued the city through his wisdom and not through his prosperity. And because of that no one knew him. Poverty is not good. Oh. <laughs> Poverty is a devil. <laughs> I, I, I used to sleep, I used to sleep with my sisters on one bed. When I was growing up, I never had a bed to myself. We used to sleep one bed. My sisters, uh, it was me, my last born was a girl, then me, and then another sister, and then another sister. So, uh, one, two, three, four. So, four. I was sleeping among four, four girls on one bed. Four girls. Can I show you? If this is the bed, right? This is the bed, right? Instead of, how do you sleep on the bed? Straight. Instead of sleeping like that, we sleep like that. And when you sleep like that, some of them, they, are, they have very long legs. And we use mosquito nets. And so when we sleep like this, because they are longer than the bed, their leg pushes the mosquito nets. And guess what? Mosquitoes comes inside there. Then the mosquitoes will be feeding on us. Poverty is not good. People who are beaten by mosquitoes are poor people. And let me tell you something. Not only that, we were sleeping in an, an aluminum roof house. The roofing is aluminum. The side is aluminum. Front aluminum. Back aluminum. Side, everywhere is aluminum. My father never built a brick house. And this aluminum building had holes in them. So when it rains, when it rains, you see the bed that is like this? 
the rain is coming on the bed. So we have to now fold the bed like this now. So you can imagine. Pardon me for squeezing the Bible. We have to squeeze the bed like this and sleep on it. Because if you don't squeeze it like this, you and water will be next door neighbor. Anybody who justifies poverty doesn't know God. The reason why the world is attacking the church when it comes to prosperity, because the Bible is clear. The Bible says that through prosperity shall the cities be built. Have you ever seen anything built through poverty before? Why are you not answering? Have you ever seen anything big built through? No. Most of us here came on aeroplane. Did you come on aeroplane through poverty? Look at what poverty has done. 39 people killed. 39. Frozen to death. That's what poverty does. If you want to defend poverty... Think about the 39 who had died through frozen, frozen refrigerated container. Hallelujah. The reason why the world is building stuff is because they are not against prosperity. If the church can come to the point and be excited about prosperity, then we'll start building big stuff will be the, the biggest landowners in every city. Amen. You don't own land through poverty. No. So Job chapter 22 from verse 21 I read the Bible says now acquaint thyself with him and be at peace thereby good will come to you. Receive please instruction from his mouth and lay up his words in your heart. If you return to the almighty you will be built up. You will remove iniquity far from your tents. Then you will lay up your gold in the dust and the gold of offer among the stones of the brooks. Yes, the Almighty will be your gold and your precious silver. Say amen to that. Second Chronicles chapter 1 from verse 11 to 15. The Bible says, Then God said to Solomon, because this was in your heart and you have not asked riches or wealth or honor or the life of your enemies, nor have you asked for long life, but you have asked wisdom and knowledge for yourself that you may judge my people over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted you and I will give you riches and wealth and honor such as none of the kings have had who were before you, nor shall be any after you, you have like, like, like. Verse 13, so Solomon came to Jerusalem from the high place that was at Gibeon from before the tabernacle of meeting, and he reigned over Israel. Verse 14, and Solomon gathered chariots and horsemen, and he had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horsemen, which he stationed in the chariots' cities and with the king in Jerusalem. Verse 15 is key. 
the Bible says that also the king made silver and gold as common in Jerusalem as stones. And he made cedars as abundance as the sycamores which are in the lowland. Look at what happened. Gold and silver was common. Prosperous prosperity. Finally, as we get ready to close, prosperity without direction will lead to destruction. Prosperity without direction will lead to destruction. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 7. Now I read, it says, For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, of fountain and springs, and flow out of valleys and hills. A land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates. A land of olive, olive oil and honey. A land in which you will eat bread without scarcity. In which you will lack nothing. A land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you will dig copper. When you have eaten and you are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God. For the good land which he has given you. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God. By not keeping his commandments. His judgments. His statutes. Which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and you are full. And you have built beautiful houses and dwelt in them. And when your heads and your flocks multiply. And your silver and your gold are multiplied. And all that you have is multiplied. When your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you through that great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land where there was no water, who brought water for you out of the flinty rock, Verse 16, who made you in the wilderness with manna? Who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you, that he might test you to do, to do you good in the end? Then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he that gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore unto your fathers, as it is this day. Amen. Say amen. amen. Or say a good amen. amen. So, prosperity without direction will lead to what? Destruction. When you are prosperous, don't forget God. Amen. amen. I said amen. Don't forget who? God. Remember who made you prosperous. Last but not the least, the fourth factor we need is position. Amen. Are you getting something out of this? What is the first one? What's the first one? Power. What's number two? What's number two? No. What's number two? Popularity. Number three? prosperity. Number four, last one, is position. Position. Use your position to influence the world wisely. Esther chapter 2 verse 16 downwards I read. It says, for Esther was taken 
to King Azaharius into his royal palace in the 10th month, which is the month of Tebeth, in the seventh year of his reign. And the king loved Esther more than all the other women. And she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins. So he set the royal crown upon her, her head and made her queen instead of Vasti. That is very important. So that means at this point, she has been given position to become queen. Verse 18, then the king made a great feast of Esther for all his officials and servants and he proclaimed a holiday in the provinces and gave gifts according to the generosity of the king. So if we are going to be influential, position is important. Your position at work, your position in the community, your position in the nation helps to make an impactful influence. Position without purpose will lead to corruption. Write that down. Position without purpose will lead to corruption. You see, many people have position, but the position they have has no purpose. Think about it. Every position you have in this world has been given to you by God for a purpose. How are you using that position? How are you using that position? Second Chronicles chapter 10 from verse 3. It said, now they sent and called him. So Jerob- Jeroboam and all Israel came and spoke to Rehoboam, saying, thy father made over our yokes grievous. Now therefore is thou somehow the grievous servitude of thy father and his heavy yoke that he put upon us and we will serve thee. I want you to notice what's happening here. And he said unto them, come again unto me after three days. And the people departed. And the king Rehoboam took counsel with the old men that had stood before Solomon his father while he yet lived, saying, what counsel give you me to return answer to these people? And they spoke unto him, saying, if thou be king to these people and please them and speak good works to them, they will be thy servants forever. But he forsook the counsel which the old men gave him and took counsel with the young men that were brought up with him that stood before him. Verse 9, and he said unto them, what advice give you that we may return answer to the people which have spoken to me saying, is somehow the yoke that my father did put upon us. Amen. Amen. Verse 10, and the young men that were brought up with him spake unto him, saying, Thou shalt thou answer the people that spake unto thee, saying, Thy father make our yoke heavy, but make thou it somehow lighter for us. Thou shalt thou say unto them, My little finger shall be thicker than my father's loins. Look at where he's taking advice from. Be careful of the counsel you are taking. Counsel from young men. <laughs> Verse 11. It says, For whereas my father put a heavy yoke upon you, I will put more to your yoke. My father chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. Look at what he's using his position for. 
<laughs> so Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam on the third day. And as the king bade, saying, come unto me on the third day. And the king answered them roughly. And the king Rehoboam forsook the counsel of the old man. Listen, being in position that doesn't mean you have to demean people. Being in position doesn't mean others are inferior to you. Doesn't mean you have to speak to people how roughly. Very important. Verse 14, the Bible says, and he answered them after the advice of the young men saying, my father made your yoke heavy, but I'll add there unto my father chastise you with whips, but I'll chastise you with scorpion. Question, what is the purpose of your position? Finally, what is the purpose of your position? You have power, you have position, but what's the purpose of it? Remember, Miles Morrow said, where purpose is not known, abuse is what? Inevitable. There's a certain president who has become president and using his position to bully everyone in the world. We won't mention his name. But you already know who I'm talking about. Be careful. See, some people just want position. But we have, as Christians, we have to live to function rather than position. Esther chapter 4 from verse 10. So the question we are answering now is what is the purpose of your position? Now let's see what Esther used her position for. Then Esther spoke to Hetard and gave him a command to Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that any man or woman who goes into the inner court to the king who has not been called he has but one law, put all to death, except one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter that he may live. Yet I myself have not been called to go into the king these 30 days. So they told Mordecai Esther's words. And Mordecai told them to answer Esther, do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace and any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come into the kingdom for such a time as this. Amen. Then Esther told them to reply Mordecai, go, gather all the Jews who present in Shushan, and fast for me, neither eat nor drink for three days, three nights. My mates and I will fast likewise. So I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Amen. Esther had position and she forgot. She forgot the reason for her position. May I beg you, every position you have in this world is for a purpose is to lift a child like Moses out of the river. You have a position. Some of you, God has blessed you. You have been connected, powerfully positioned. There's an orphan child somewhere in a village you can take care of. That's a position God has given you. What are you using it for? Esther forgot why she became queen. She was now in the palace enjoying the booty of the palace. Make caps, wearing the, the, the nicest dressing. All these things are good. Showing off. All these things are good. 
But don't forget for what purpose you have been placed there. Hallelujah. And if we can adopt these four principles that the world is using, power, popularity, prosperity, and position, I'm telling you we can influence the world effectively and positively to the glory of God's name. In Jesus' name. Did you receive it today? Hallelujah. Let's give Jesus a better praise. God has called us to influence the world and that is what we are going to become in the name of Jesus. Let's rise up on our feet. Why don't you ask God for grace? You've heard the word. Ask God to give you grace. Grace to walk in these truths. Grace to become influential. Grace to become all that God has called you to become. In the name of Jesus. Just for one minute. One minute. Talk to God. For one minute. Talk to God. Grace Lord. To be influential. To be influential. In the name of Jesus. No one here will miss their purpose. The purpose for which you were born. You will not miss it. The purpose for which you came into this world. You will not miss your purpose. You will fulfill your purpose. Jesus said you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Ask God for supernatural power. Power from on high to do exploits. To do exploits. Grace to understand the power that has been given you. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Father we thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your power. Thank you for revealing unto us divine truths. We give you praise. In Jesus name. Amen. amen. And amen. Let's give Jesus some praise. Oh come on. Let's give Jesus a better praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Were you blessed today? Amen. Let's please be seated just for one minute. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to The Solution Word by Pastor Adama Segbeji. For prayer or further details, please call us on 01293-885000. Or why not visit us this Sunday at 10 a.m. at Solution, Barnfield Road, Northgate, Crawley, RH10 8HQ. Your experience at Solution is sure to be a time of great blessing. Solution, bringing hope to the hopeless and solution to the nations. The Word of God says, Is any sick among you? Let them call on the elders of the church and let them pray for them, and the prayer of faith will make them whole. 
If you are sick in any part of your body and need healing, why not join us for the next Special Healing School, Saturday the 7th of December at 6.30 p.m. at Solution Chapel International, home of signs, wonders, and miracles. Barnfield Road, Northgate Crawley, West Sussex, RH10-8DS. Please call 07938-494-294 or visit solutionchapel.org for further details. The Special Healing School, Saturday the 7th of December, is free and open to everyone. Come and receive your healing.